Hi, and welcome to Kleinversations, Klein ISD's first ever podcast about all things teaching and learning. My name is Monica Schallenberger, and I'm the proud instructional officer of professional learning. I'll be the host of this podcast, rotating educators from all over our district. My podcast, Loving Heart, might burst with excitement that this is actually happening. I'm excited about this inaugural episode for many reasons, and one is that this podcast will showcase the amazing teachers, administrators, leaders, and high-quality teaching and learning happening in our school district. These educators are living out our vision of building community, reimagining learning, and cultivating talent. I hope you walk away from each episode with a takeaway that can be applied to your education and leadership path, and that you feel energized after listening to our podcast. This first episode is focused on fostering a classroom culture of risk-taking, innovation, and self-reflection. I'm so excited to welcome our first guest, Klein ISD's Deputy Superintendent, Jenny McGowan, to dive into this topic. Dr. McGowan has a unique experience that I can't wait to contribute to our topic today. I'll start with some background information about her educational path so you can get to know her a little bit before we begin. Dr. McGowan began her career in education in Uzbekistan, where she frequently speaks of how her first students captured her heart with their resilience and tenacious desire to learn. She returned to the States to teach English at Klein Collins High School and has since served as an administrator at both the elementary and secondary level. Jenny was the founding principal of Zwink Elementary and led the campus to national recognition as a model professional learning community school and a state and national school of character. Prior to serving as a chief learning officer, she was executive director of student performance. And last year, Ginny was recognized as one of the top 40 professionals under 40 in the greater Houston area by the Houston Business Journal. Dr. McGowan has a passion for people and education, and it's evident in my talk with her. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with her. All right, let's get this party started. Welcome, Jenny, to the podcast. Hey, Monica, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good, good, good. Good. I'd love to start this conversation off with just a celebration that you have in the district in connection to teaching and learning right now. All right. Well, I want to say that I'm not saying this because you're in charge of professional learning, even though I do think you're <laughs> awesome. But I really am excited about the professional learning that I see happening all over Climb, where it's teachers teaching teachers, assistant principals teaching assistant principals. I mean, I'm just, I'm so proud of how our people are engaging and, and learning and sharing with one another. I think that, you know, there's definitely been seasons in education where everybody wants to keep all their stuff to themselves. And what I see, you know, the, around Climb these days is people are sharing what they make, they're being willing to get up in front of people, even if they're scared. I, I talked to a teacher the other morning at the Personalized Learning Summit who was saying, I have been teaching for 30 years. This is the first time I've ever oh, presented yeah. to other teachers. And I'm so nervous. And I'm like, but you talk to kids every single day. She's like, that's not the same. Talking to adults yeah. is scary. So mm-hmm. I'm just proud of people being brave and saying, hey, I figured out some things that work. I'm not saying I'm a perfect teacher. I'm not saying I'm a perfect principal or whatever their, their role is in the district, but they're willing to put themselves out there to help their colleagues learn and grow. I mean, I think the P2P vacations that have started where people are like visiting each other's classrooms, mm-hmm. visiting each other's campuses and learning from the things that are happening. That always makes me really excited because I think you can learn so much just by walking into a teacher's room and even just looking at the physical environment, just looking at like what's in the wall, like what are their systems for organization? How do they have their, their desks or their tables arranged? Right. And so it's just been fun to see there's so many great people in Klein and there's so many people that are doing these incredible things for students that it just makes me 
me happy to see people opening up their hearts and opening up their classrooms and opening up their schools and sharing all of that. So, yeah. And like, and it, like our librarians, too. Like this weekend, we have the first ever ed camp for librarians. And it's not just people from Klein coming. It's people coming from all over the greater Houston area. And our librarians are putting that on. It's awesome. Yeah. So, and I love that everyone's been wanting to present for the people in our district. It's kind of caught on and been magnetic. And they just don't realize their scope of influence. Even yes. if you teach one course, so one session in their conference, like I told you a while ago, there was a teacher who was upset that two people only came to her session. And I just reminded her those two people, if they're a secondary teacher, you could they're going to impact 300 kids, right. the content they're going to take back. That's so right. even if you collaborate with just one person, you're still making a difference on so many people. So it's exciting to see that as well. Yeah, so good job, Monica. Oh, no, not you anything to do with me. To, it has well, to do with our staff. It, so. it is. It's everyone, but you're helping to facilitate that spirit of collaboration among professional learning. So I'm grateful for that. Sharing is caring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of everyone collaborating, I really do feel like you said is such a different um, way that we than we used to do it. it. There's definitely it's less common for people to keep things to themselves and it's more promoted to share. And so I feel like that involves a lot of risk taking and innovation. So when you're thinking of risk taking in the classroom, what is a tangible example that comes to mind as you've traveled all over the district and you've seen different people and examples? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll start with something just as recent as yesterday. So yesterday I was at Klein Kane High School and I was just blown away by the quality of teaching and learning that is taking place across that entire campus. It was truly amazing. Uh, but I'll give, you know, a couple of special shout outs. I was in Coach Gomez's uh, classroom and Caitlin Cloyd was yeah. in there as well. And they were working with some of our English language learners and uh, some kiddos in particular that just recently arrived to the United States. And so they had these like innovative games set up that they were using to try to help teach their students idioms and common phrases in English. And uh, it was just really, really fun, like a very um, collaborative family kind of feel to the classroom. So I loved that. Um, and then I went to um, Jacob Albert's room and what those students, I mean, if you want to just yeah. have your mind blown, I mean, we're sitting here making this podcast right now, Monica, and yeah. I'm like, I wish the whole team of students from Klein came was here helping us yeah. because they are unreal. The publications that they're running out of this one room at Klein Kane High School, whether it's podcasts, whether it's, you know, the yearbook, whether it's a newspaper, um, a blog that they've put together, and just the quality of the content that they're producing. It is unbelievable. So I think about the risk taking that you have to have as an educator to create those kind of environments where, first of all, people feel safe enough, the students feel safe right. enough, and then that has to be modeled by the teacher yeah. um, that folks feel like they can take a risk, mm -hmm. that they are willing to put themselves out there. So whether they're learning English or they're creating a podcast that's going to be shared all over, you know, on Spotify and everywhere else in the world, uh, I'm really, really proud of that. So that would be just something I saw yesterday that was fun. Um, and then, yeah, I think about the multi-age um, classrooms that we have going on right now at Roth Elementary. Now, that is awesome. Yeah. So think about the risk taking that has to take place to say, I'm going to put, you know, multiple grade levels in this one classroom. And we're going to honor the fact that, you know, kids develop at different rates. And so sometimes a student's intellectual peer is not necessarily the exact same age as them. So this grouping that they've done. And so I just want to shout out to um, Kathy Freeman and Tanya Good and Leta Cato, because these three women are so brave in setting up these conditions for us to try this, this new learning environment. Yeah. So we've got like six-year-olds that are learning to speak and write in Latin as part of their their normal daily experience in these classrooms. So 
man, if they weren't willing to take the risk, then it just wouldn't be possible to, to see what's possible. So that that is a lot of fun when you if you want your you know, see something pretty cool happening in a public school in Texas, going into Roth Elementary and seeing what these ladies are doing is pretty awesome. And I love that you pointed out that it has to be a safe environment for risk-taking yeah. to take place. Just having the honor of being at Klein Kane last year as an AP, I got to see those three individuals that you talked about. And one of my favorite things about Coach Gomez's classroom is that he speaks Spanish and English in his classroom because he teaches multilingual students. And it's incredible to see him bouncing back and forth and, and involving games. And then, like you said, Jacob Elbert oh, is yeah. really helping kids find their passion and using them. I love visiting his classroom and seeing kids working on projects, but not just blindly going through the motions, really invested in these projects that they were making. And then I don't have enough good things to say about Caitlin Cloyd and her relationship <laughs> building, but and she doesn't deal with students as much as maybe a teacher does as the digital learning specialist. But I love that she constantly provides professional learning on that campus and makes people feel comfortable coming to her to ask for help or to be innovative or to take those risks and really is a gem for that campus. Yeah, so. And I, I think that's what I walked away from, you know, walking out the doors of Klein Kane after I'd been in several classrooms was just this feeling that, man, when our, we talk all the time about how important it is to build relationships with students and to build relationships with one another. And sometimes I think we stop there and we don't remember the, the why behind that is because we want to create environments where we can maximize the potential in every single student that's in our care. And if students don't feel safe to take risks and they don't see the adults around them taking risks, it just makes it harder to create that, that, that safe, nurturing learning environment. And so it was just a real joy to be in classrooms yesterday at Klein Kane and see that. And I know that happens all over, all over Klein ISD every single day, but uh, it really was, it was encouraging for sure. So speaking of environments of risk-taking, if, if an educator feels like they're already in that environment and they're ready to take the next level to be innovative in their classroom, you know, innovation can be very grand sometimes and it can mean a lot of different things to people. And sometimes it's a buzzword. Like yeah, sometimes I meet sure. people or go to conventions and it said, they say director yeah. of innovation. I'm like, oh, what does that person do? Are they, ma are they magical? Yes. <laughs> they play unicorns out in their class. Those don't exist. So when you are thinking about an educator who's really wanting to disrupt the status quo in their classroom, not just for the sake of doing it, but really want to be innovative for their kids and have an engaging lesson design, what kind of suggestions do you have for that person? And even if it's an admin over a campus, what kind of suggestions do you yeah, have? Yeah, well, I think I think you make a great point. You know, innovation for innovation's sake, you know, just to do something new because <laughs> just seems like that would be a fun thing to do today is yeah. do something new. Um is not really, I think, what we're after when we talk about innovation and Klein. I think we think about innovation because there are problems that still need to be solved. And what we've tried previously hasn't solved the problem yet. And so that's the, those are the conditions from which innovation should be born. Um, but I also think that like one of the big principles of design thinking, I've been reading this book by these uh, professors at Stanford, and they teach this whole class on design thinking. And one of the things they talk about is when you are, one of the core principles of design thinking is that you don't start with the problem. You start with the people so that you're always starting with empathy. And I think that that's so wise that, you know, when you're thinking about wanting to be innovative, it's really because you care about the people that you are caring for and you're, you're empathizing with the problem that they have. And you're trying to come up with a solution because again, what we've done previously isn't getting it done. So I think if we, we frame innovation in that way, then instead of just having innovation for the sake of innovation, because it does sound cool and it is a buzzword and, you know, people want to have it in their titles or whatever. Um, I think what we do is we keep the innovation centered where it should be, which is right at the heart of the people that we serve. And so I think what I would say to, to educators in whatever role and what I try to remind myself is that 
you know, we have to keep a sharp eye on the people that we serve and what their needs are. And then from there, we can look to things first that we've done in the past that are successful. And if we already have a solution, then we don't have a need for innovation. You know, we have, we have research that says this is what has the greatest impact on student learning. Then we can really dive deep into that. But then even with within that, using high impact strategies, we may say that, you know, for this particular student, when we were talking about knowing every student by name, strength and need, we may say, but for this student, that even that's not working. So mm -hmm. then like let your innovation not be about trying to put together some big project or some big new way of doing things, but let it always like drill down to that specific person or the group of people you're trying to solve a problem for. Um, and then that way that your innovation will actually mean something, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. because it will be um, personalized to what the, the people that you're caring for actually need. And I think, too, just to add to that, is that innovation can be so grand. To, so to make it smaller, it's kind of like chunking for adults. You know, if you're trying to do <laughs> design thinking and you're trying to make your lessons more engaging, you can start with something small. So if you're not yeah. comfortable with gamifying your activities, start with throwing a game in there or doing a playlist for one unit and just right. do things that make you a little bit uncomfortable because innovation should be a little bit uncomfortable because yeah. it's new. And then starting small instead of thinking, I have to be this overall innovative teacher or educator. That's just so overwhelming for so many people. And I think some people don't give themselves enough credit for trying new things that are risk-taking and innovative in their, in their career. Yeah. So we've talked about some examples of risk-taking that you've seen in, around our district. We talk about how someone can disrupt the status quo in their classroom. So with risk-taking innovation, you know, there's failing, there's succeeding, but there should always be some kind of self-reflecting because right. that um, always helps. Hindsight always helps <laughs> success <laughs> in the future. Yes. So um, I definitely think it's important for the educational environment for that to be a part of it. And a lot of times educators do not give themselves enough time to do it because they're serving so many people. So do you have any tips or ben benefits that um, for efficient self-reflection practices that you've either used yourself or seen others or read research about? Well, one of the things I like that you just said is that we need to reflect not just on our failures, but also on our mm -hmm. successes, because I do think we have a tendency because, and that's a great thing about education. It's like, we want to make everything better. You know, we want to, we're all very servant hearted. We want to help kids be able to succeed. We want to be able to help them, you know, find their, their purpose and to be able to exit that way, you know, from our care, wherever that might be in their educational journey. But I think that sometimes we don't spend enough time saying, Hey, what's really working right now in my practice and how can I do more of that thing? You know, we just, and, and so we give a lot of our energy and our time and our attention, just mm -hmm. maybe this, maybe it's 5% of the time. Yeah. It's this one thing that's going not as well as we want it to. And maybe we could solve that problem by taking some of the things that we're doing in other areas where we're being more successful and applying those same tools, habits, you know, tips and tricks, so to speak, um, to that thing that we're trying to solve. So I think it is important to focus on the bright spots and say, okay, what made this particular thing successful? And then try to clone that and solving the problems that you have in front of you. Um, but for me, I think that the, the piece on, we always talk about, you know, creating an environment where it's safe for people to take risks and fail. But I really do put a lot of emphasis on the whole part of forward and fail forward. Mm -hmm. The only way to fail forward is to spend time, yeah. as you said, looking back to figure out, okay, when something did go wrong, why did it go wrong? How can we make it better? How can we prevent the, the thing that happened that didn't work out so well from happening again? How might we refine it? And people, you know, designers, creators, innovators, they do this all the time. I mean, that's what prototyping yeah. is all about. It's like you create something right. and then you try it and you test it and you learn that this particular thing worked, but this part didn't. So then you 
do your second prototype, making those revisions. And so I think that as educators in our craft, we have to cultivate that kind of like, uh, it really is forward thinking by looking backwards. Yeah. Um, so I have some rituals for myself personally. You know, I try to make sure that the last thing I do um, on Friday, and then I also have a different ritual for Sunday night, but it really is about looking back over the week, taking time to think about what went well, what did not go well, what have we learned from it? Who, who do I need to follow up with? Um, and I really actually have like a series of questions written down that I go through yeah. and reflect on. Um, and then the same thing on Sunday night, as I'm preparing for the week, I like to look at, um, okay, so what in all those things I reflected on Friday, like now thinking forward, what things might need to be adjusted based on what right. I learned in the reflection. So I think that whatever the timeline works for you in your week, but really carving out, and it doesn't have to be a lot of time, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's while you're working out, maybe it's while you're, you know, yeah. driving from here to here. I, I know I have some friends who like, they will not take phone calls on their way home from work Genius. because yeah. they, that is their time where they really reflect on different things that have happened during the day. So I think just being intentional about carving out the time and maybe having some practices, some questions you ask yourself to reflect that are connected to your goals um, can be really, really helpful and in, in focusing on the bright spots, but then also making sure you get to that forward part of fail forward. And that's what I just love about being in this field of education is everybody is so flexible. I mean, Sometimes you can't be, and sometimes it does take a reflection that is over time, but sometimes you're just in the middle of a lesson yeah. and you think it's going to be exciting. Like the kids are going to love it. And then you're in the <laughs> middle of it and you're like, oh my uh -oh. gosh, this is crashing and burning. Uh -oh. Time of death, 148. <laughs> this lesson design just failed. So right. I just, I, it's sometimes it's just day to day, hour to hour, period to period, right. depending on what level you're Which at. Which is why I do think the collaboration we talked about earlier is really, really important because if you if you're failing forward, you know it's it's really important to have a supportive yeah, community around yes. you for those moments, yes. you know. And so, like when you're in a true professional learning community, and I'm not talking about a meeting, I'm talking about like the yes. spirit of the people, yeah. you know. When you're the teacher who's just tried something and it totally tanked, and your lesson did have a time of death stamp on it, yeah. you know, to be able to have colleagues that you can go yes. to and say like, hey, okay, so. I tried this thing. It didn't really work. Like, what do you all think? And you have that ongoing feedback and that dialogue. I mean, that's why collective efficacy has yeah. such a huge impact on student learning. Like, it's not just, um, it's it's the power of the team believing that we can improve things, that we can make outcomes better, and then putting those practices in place along the way to reflect together. Um, I think that's even better than individual self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Like, if you can get your team to do, like, an after-action review on something and to really think through that, I think that's huge. Um, and then the other thing I always think about, you know, just so I can nerd out about John Hattie for a second here, but I think about how he talks about um, how teachers think like the way that teachers actually think has such an impact on student learning. And so if teachers spend time evaluating their impact as like a normal practice um, for the things they do every single day, good things will follow. And I think that that's, again, why professional learning communities are so important is because you just create those conditions where you are reflecting together on, you know, what must students learn? Like, how will we know when they've learned it? What about for the kids that have already mastered this? What about for the kids that have not yet mastered it? And when you're thinking about those things together and you're constantly reflecting on your craft and then you're evaluating your impact of what you try, then you know if what the things we're doing actually are helping us to achieve the goal we have, which is student learning. Right. So yeah, I mean, the research like speaks to why it's important mm -hmm. to be reflective, but I think not only do we need those individual practices that help to like 
ground us and hopefully help us focus on the bright spots and not just all the the challenges in the midst of everything. But if we can do that together as a community, man, that's powerful for student learning. Just tie it to intentionality, yeah. intentional, healthy conversations with those PLNs, finding yeah. people, finding the time. Everything yeah. has to be intentional. You can't just expect yeah. expect natural reflection to come up into yeah. your life. Yep, you're right. You just show and up when you're I doing the dishes. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that what you just said about the PLN, I mean, so often we think it has to be like face-to-face around yeah. a table. Wow. And so sure, like some reflection and collaboration is going to happen like that. But I have seen people in very meaningful ways engage over media to have these kinds of moments together and for people to connect with one with people, you know, it, at other campuses within Klein, but also to connect with people outside yeah. of Klein to learn and to grow with one another. I mean, that's really, really powerful when you've got, you know, basically a whole movement of reflecting right. and trying to improve together that can actually kind of give you that momentum yeah. and that little push that we all need sometimes. Um, and, and sometimes you're thinking, yeah, all and sometimes you're the person who's being, being the encourager and sometimes you're the person who's getting encouraged, but like on either side of that equation, that's a good place to be. So yeah, that's huge. And we've kind of centered our self-reflection and risk-taking innovation around the adults in our system. And I just read an article yesterday by Ed Elements talking about 21st century learning skills and how mm-hmm. everyone keeps talking about kids need 21st learning um, skills. That always and makes me laugh. I'm like, y'all, we're in we're the 21st 20 years. century. That's, and that's what the article <laughs> so, is saying. Like, we're 20, like, 20 years yes, in. So it's not right. like we need this for the future. The future is here. That's and I right. love that he was saying this article that um, it's not soft skills anymore. These are the skills that people right. need to be successful. That's true. And well, think so, about that big thing from the World Economic Forum that came out. And I'm really excited for whenever the next next report comes out, which is, is slated soon. But they talked about like, what were the top skills that kids needed um, or that were needed in the workplace in 2015 and then in 2020. And in 2020, I mean, a lot of the things were like service orientation, yeah. emotional intelligence, collaboration. It's like, y'all, 2020 is next year. Yeah. So it's 2019. If we have haven't designed this into the way that we we we're teach and kids. learn, yeah. then we're not helping our kids to tr- truly be fully equipped for exiting with their purpose. Because like you said, it's not an add-on. It's an expectation. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but it is essential that we figure out, hey, how do we build these kinds of um, opportunities to learn, not just that the academic and the content aspect of education, but what about like the human piece of it, you yeah. know, how do, how do you get around a table with people and, and, and do these things we we're just talking about prototype your ideas and work through conflict productively and, and all of these pieces that are basically an expectation now for folks when they, they graduate. So, yeah, I mean, that's from the world economic forum. We're not messing around with that. So, right. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's the real deal, real deal right yeah. there. I mean, they published it and said, these are the skills that are needed in 2020. And again, that's next year. So and it like challenges you, us. I like what you said about the, the people aspect of it because if our classrooms and our campuses have that culture and the adults are modeling that for the kids they can see we're going to try something new today and if it works it's going to be so great and if it doesn't work we're going to work through that failure together and then you can model that behavior for the kids because as much as sometimes people like to diminish the teacher role we are such big adults in these kids lives whether they're teenagers down to elementary kids they're all looking to us and we are the we're the model example of what we want them to take out into the world when they become citizens on their own. And so I just think it's important that the culture that is created in these classrooms yes. and, and on campuses is 
fostering this innovation, self-reflection, risk-taking so that the kids can know like, this is what it looks like. And this is how you react to it if it goes well or doesn't go well. Right. And I think that what you say about the supportive culture, I mean, that goes beyond just the classroom, right? That has to be the entire campus and also has to be the entire district. Mm So we have to, to me, we're talking about being intentional about self-reflection. I think that's the same thing is like when we're, when we're taking risks, we're, we're being intentional. We're being thoughtful about the risks that we're taking. And in that way, like when there is that element of thoughtfulness and planning to take these kinds of risks, it, it creates a an environment where people should be really supportive of people trying things because we know that like people put some thought into this. They're they're you know, they're wanting to give this thing a go. And it's not necessarily just on the fly, like, oh, I'm just going to take a risk right now. But right. because we have students lives you know, in our care every single day, we're really thoughtful and intentional about the risks that we want to take. And so I think that the challenge there is that when we know that everybody is being thoughtful is like when things go wrong and it didn't go exactly how we planned being there to say like, Hey, I'm, I'm proud of you for taking that risk. I'm proud of you for trying that. I know you put a lot of hard work and effort into thinking that thing through and it didn't go exactly how we wanted it to go, but what are the lessons that we can learn and how can we make it better moving forward? And I think teachers need to know that that's going to be the response when they're trying things like when they're planning and they're, they're putting themselves out there to try to do something that they think is going to be better for students. Like they need everybody to rally around them and say, Hey, we're proud of you for what you, what you put, what you did, you know, and, and that assurance I think does help to like, just like with the students, when they know that their teachers are going to love and support them as they go through their learning journey, same thing for adults in the system. When it, when you know that the people around you are going to support you as you're learning and trying new things, that really does like unleash some of that potential that's within everybody that may otherwise be stifled by fear. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. All right. So to end our podcast, um, I'm going to be asking each of our guests what is one of their favorite things in education and just one favorite general That's thing fun. in in general. So in the universe. In the universe. Okay. In the whole world. So <laughs> we'll start with your universe. one favorite thing in education and then you can go in and then I'll ask you about your one favorite oh, thing in gosh. the world. It's so hard to pick one, but let's see. Well, for my favorite thing in education... Right now, I would say, Incline, I love seeing all the student-led innovation. Um, and, and honestly, the student-led service. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that people can have some ideas about kids today. You know, you hear that whole, like, kids these days. And it's, yeah. like, normally not followed by a lot of really encouraging, uplifting things. But what I see in our kids these days are kids that are putting themselves out there to try to make the world better. Yeah. You know, I think about serves um, in the fall. I mean, you had student leaders working, you know, supported by incredible adults, but I mean, really driving this opportunity for students to get out in our community and to volunteer. And what they did was amazing. I think about Klein Hacks. I mean, students leading their own innovation challenge, you know, getting a whole bunch of high school students together for 24 hours to see what kind of solutions that they could design to some of the problems, whether there are problems that were like really specific to Klein, or they were problems that were global problems. I mean, it was just amazing to watch them take the lead on that. And then, I mean, truly the, the culture for caring, I know we, we talk about it a lot, but I don't, I hope that as we continue to talk about it so much, we, it, we don't start normalizing it to the point we don't realize how remarkable and magical this is. I mean, we had a group of students say, Hey, 
the world should be in Klein ISD the way it was right after Hurricane Harvey, mm-hmm. where people were just coming out to help one another, serve one another. It didn't matter whether you knew that person, you didn't know them. It didn't matter where they lived, what their zip code was. If they needed help, people rallied around one another. And, and so the fact that our students watched that in our community, which in and of itself is a huge celebration and is a beautiful, beautiful part of being inclined. Um, but the fact that they watched that and then didn't just say, that's really cool. Oh, man, I wish we could make the world a yeah. better place. Wouldn't that be nice? Then took action to try to put, bring this conversation, first of all, to elevate the the dialogue around it, but then to actually build these systems on all these different campuses. I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing. And it makes me proud to see our students using their voices for good. I mean, sometimes people make really poor choices and that's the reality of living in our world. And that's the same for students as adults. Yeah. Um, but when you, but I, I, and I, and unfortunately a lot of what we focus on in the media today is very negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I'm really proud of our students is it's not getting, you know, cynical as a result of that, not just saying like, Oh, well, hey, yeah. oh, well, what can we do? You know, but really continuing in their hopeful way to put action behind really our shared vision. I mean, they they are servant-hearted leaders. I see them going into the world and making it a better place. So yeah, I mean, I could talk about that all day, but that's my favorite thing in education right now for sure. Um, and then my, the other one is what? My favorite just favorite thing, thing in, general? in the world or general. I mean, obviously not like we know your family okay, is, that's things good. like that. I was like, but just like my family. Yeah. <laughs> I love my children. They are amazing. Um, yeah. Like, okay. So my favorite thing, I guess right now um, that has been, yeah. How about Google Keep? Yes. Um, so I've been using um, Google Keep probably for about the last six months and it has been very helpful. Like it's a, a, like one place in your phone um, or of course on your laptop where you have all of your checklists for all the different things. Um, I was talking earlier about my reflection thing. I actually have like the Friday reflection like questions in there. I have the Sunday reflection questions in there. Um, I have, you can share your, your checklist or like your um, little notes that you take in there. You can share them with other people. So like my husband, Brian and I, like we have a shared Google keep for like all things family. Mm -hmm. Um, That's very helpful. Uh, And then different like projects I'm working on at, at work. So I have like different shared Google keep lists for different things with different people. So I just love that it's like, it's an app. It's on my phone. I can open it. Everything's in one yeah. place. Like I can be sitting somewhere and someone says like, Hey, um, we need to get this thing done. And so I can put my to-do list item right there on right. my, my master to-do list. So yeah, Google keep y'all. If you organization have organization yeah, hack for 2019. That's right. <laughs> yes. I'm sure, um, you know, there, I know everybody has their own ways of keeping up with everything, but that's been one that's been really helping me. I so. started using it about a month ago, but I like you can color code yeah. the little title. You can insert yes. pictures. Exactly. I didn't really know what I was going to do with that yet, yep. but then earlier you did a screenshot something and I dumped it in there. Yeah, so. I have one for like all my professional learning. Yeah. So like when I'm, what sometimes it's like a, you know, picture of something that I saw. Yeah, sometimes slide. it's like the notes I took by hand at some place where I was and I want it all captured in like one place. So I'm not looking in 4,000 folders later, trying to figure out where I put that thing. Um, so yeah, it's helped me a lot. So Google keep y'all yeah, check it, it out. If you haven't, it's pretty cool. Well, thank you so much for visiting oh. our first ever podcast well, episode. I'm so glad that you were the fun. guest thank and that you shared you. your passion about innovation, risk-taking, and all the things that we're doing in our district. Oh, well, and I am thankful that you've started this cool new conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what a catchy name you came up with. I love it. Um, seriously, I think it's going to be really fun to hear from people all over Klein because, like I said, the best part of Klein ISD are the people. And so the yeah. more we can have different people sharing their learning and their passions and their, you know, favorite things in education and, and in the world right now, I think will be a, 
a really fun thing to be a part of. Yeah. And to our listeners, if you want to hear about those educators that are coming on as our guests, make sure you subscribe at any platform that houses podcasts like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, wow. and more. That's a lot um, of different yeah. ways you can listen so to this thing. We'll, on, we'll close, our, close our podcast here. Thanks again for coming. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jenny today. I love talking about how innovation can start in small steps, has to be focused on the people and how there are so many examples of educators being dedicated to the students they serve. I was delighted to hear her passion for learning and student-initiated service. Until next time, here's to taking our learning and transforming the world.